0: Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode.
1: Well, hello and welcome back to The Plotting Shed. It seems like it's been ages since we last spoke, so I hope you've all had a very lovely summer wherever you are and it's been warm but not too warm and dry but not too dry and you've had an enjoyable time and your garden has delivered what you would have liked it to deliver over the summer. Well we're back for this autumn series which will be 12 podcasts based on all aspects of the gardens and design and I'm going to focus a little bit after the first few weeks on specific design issues with different shapes and problems that gardens throw up at you and I will put in some of the garden designs on the show notes so that you can see some of the ones that I've designed this year which has been pretty challenging. I've had some really really difficult ones to try and get my head around. I did my first garden for a visually impaired person and their guide dog, which again was a whole new learning curve for me and a different thought process as to what gardeners are. I will talk about those later on in this series. As always, we'll try and keep the podcasts to about 20 minutes, simply because it's probably the length of time for the school run, or maybe you're out walking the dog, and I think that's probably after 20 minutes of me chatting, you've had enough, and then you can Listen to me and carry on with the rest of your week. So it's been a really interesting summer this year. Obviously, once again, climate change has made its presence felt and it's made it difficult to keep the gardens and we've all had to learn to adapt over the course of this year. And I thought the first podcast I would fill you in on the little experiment that I tried at the beginning of this year to let you know how it works and what the upsides and the downsides and what potential problems and how realistic and how practical it is. If you go back to my last episode which was a word about weeds, one of the things that I had decided was partly because just I'm getting a lot busier and I don't have the time to invest in the garden anymore, I was going to take a much more relaxed attitude to nature having more of a hand in my garden. I mean, we have been raised on images of gardens looking pristine and neat. If you go to National Trust homes, if you go to specific gardens or you go to council parks and things like this, everything is really neat and tidy and it's beautifully maintained. The lawn edges are nice and neat. Everything is cleared away. There's no detritus and we're programmed that that's what a garden should look like and how we should be. But That's only a small part of what gardens should look like. So this summer, I decided that I was going to take a step back and allow nature to fill in the gaps between my plants a little bit. And also I was going to not mow my grass for the course of the summer to see how that all went on and what differences I noticed to my garden and whether it really was worthwhile doing. Now, I will say the biggest problem that I have had has not been with the garden or with unwanted plants or weeds or anything like that. The biggest problem I've had is actually changing my mindset and my opinion about the garden and looking at it thinking, oh, it's a bit you know, messy or maybe I should do that because it's not very neat. And over the course of the summer, I have consciously tried to change my internal opinion and i'm looking at the garden thinking how how well are the plants growing together rather than oh look there's a weed that needs removing and i need to get rid of that leaves and there's a bit of detritus over there what's actually happened is that i've now got a green underplanting under all of my shrubs now my green underplanting and most of you wouldn't take a sharp intake of breath is there's a lot of it under the shrubs, which is ground elder. I can't dig it out. I just simply can't. It's it's embedded. It's ingrained under some big plants and, and, and big, long-established shrubs. There's no way I can eradicate it. And because I'm not a, a chemical sprayer particularly, I, I do spray some on, on the path and the patio just because it takes too long to weed it. But I don't really like to put chemicals in the garden. So I let the ground elder do its thing. And see what happened now from a perspective of the garden border it feels very lush and it feels very green and it feels very full and actually ground elder flowers are quite pretty they're these little tiny white sort of umble type flowers that pop up but the ground elder hasn't taken over everything i did have bindweed and it did go rattling up some of the big tall shrubs. Now, occasionally, I just went in and I thought, you're going to take over a bit too much, so I'll just haul it out. But nothing was outrageously out of control. I do have rosebay willow herb in the garden. And as you know, that is the most prolific self-seeder. And it has self-seeded. But again, because the rest of the garden has grown Together, you've got this layering of canopy. So you have a ground cover level, you have an upper level, and you have bigger shrubs. Now, part of the self-sustaining uh, weeding mechanism is the fact that when the Rose Bay Willowherb sets its seeds and these blow all around, some of them don't actually land on the ground. They're caught and they're trapped in leaves or spider's webs or whatever. Because the garden has more depth to it in terms of planting, because I've allowed natural plants to grow, as opposed to having bare earth around everything to show how well I've manicured it, I don't think I'm going to have too big a problem with the rosebay willow herb and the self-seeding. Yes, I did pull some out, because they are prolific, but I couldn't get to every single one. But again, some of these little tiny weed seeds are not now going to get enough light or resources to be able to grow because the rest of the ground cover canopy is taking the light and those nutrients away. So I'm just wondering whether there might be a bit of a balance. So what I will do, you can judge for yourself, because I'll put a link on the show notes to, and I've just made some short little videos of my garden. And you will see, it is not uh, a pristine show garden. It is a very real garden. I have weeds, I have leaves that don't look so brilliant. I have all of the stuff that you have in the garden. But what I'm saying is, the garden is the garden as a whole. It's good, it's bad, it's ugly, it's everything. It's what makes it the garden. By over focusing on certain aspects, it just means that we have to do more chores. There's more stress. There's more, we're setting ourselves unrealistic challenges. It doesn't have to be like that. Now, some of you will not like that naturalized look of, of my planting. You'll think it looks too messy or squished in or busy or everything else. You won't like the fact that I've allowed some of my rose bushes to grow in a natural shape. You think they need to be more ordered. Now that's just personal choice. But this year I have hardly had to garden much at all. And actually it turned out to be quite useful because it's been really hot and dry. So if you had tried to dig anything up or weed things, you'd only be snapping off the plants, the weeds at the stem and not digging up the roots anyway because the ground was so hard. So I think it actually helped with the overall health of the whole garden because again, the sun couldn't get down and beat onto the soil directly. There was a leaf canopy above it. It could hold a little bit more moisture. So I'm going to carry on with this laissez-faire approach. Now, I won't say it's a natural garden. It's a naturalized garden. There is a subtle difference, and that's something I'm going to talk about in other podcasts. So all I am doing is I am allowing nature to fill in some gaps. I'm not stepping away completely, but I'm just refereeing my garden less intensively. When it comes to the lawn, so what's happened with the lawns? There was a... a, um, a campaign back in May that was being run called No Mow May. Initially what I did was I just cut a, a sort of a two mower width strip around the the actual unmown section and essentially what that did was it created a shape a lawn shape within my lawn which has probably actually worked out has been quite a good thing because I don't have a regular shaped lawn which, as regular listeners or readers of my blog or podcast will know, I always say make the lawn shape a really regular shape. Let the plants fill in all the odd gaps. I have to admit, I haven't practiced what I've preached, but if you see the little video on my website, and there will be a link on the show notes, you'll understand the reasons why, because my garden has had to be a family garden. But putting this mowing strip around the edge created a naturalized lawn shape which made the irregular shape of the lawn much less noticeable so that was a an unexpected benefit but then I actually started to mow in some paths simply because the grass grew quite thickly and it was easier to walk through on a mowing path so I will some people will say it's a figure of eight I will put it in as the infinity symbol and the only reason I did it that way was that I didn't have to do any turns with the lawn mower. I could just go round in an infinity symbol shape and create the piles without having to do any awkward shifting of, of the mower. So that's why I created that shape. So I've got four unmown sections of the lawn. We are now in September, the end of September almost, so what happened? What were the good bits and what were the bad bits? Well, First of all, I think I can say it's the first time ever that my lawn has given me genuine pleasure. It has been an entity in its own right to look at and and view. And especially in early morning or late afternoon when the sun was shining across the, the seed heads of the grass, there was a beautiful hazy shimmering effect And there was a very gentle movement all the time of the grass stems in high summer with all the little tiny panicles. And I was amazed at the variety of grass seed heads that I did have. Now, basically I'd just bought many, many years ago. We'd just put down a standard turf mix, but there were 15 or 20 different styles of grass seed heads that came up, which was lovely to watch. And one of the things I really did notice was how the lawn itself then acted as a magnet for wildlife. The, the whole of the grass area where the lawn was longer attracted a lot of flying insects, a lot of butterflies, tiny little blue butterflies, heathland sort of butterflies. So we had lots of tiny little blue and woodland, speckled wood type butterflies flying across there were far more insects that you could see flying across the lawn. Birds came down onto the lawn far, far, far more. Now, obviously that is an issue if you have cats, and it's something to consider, but birds very definitely came down to feed all the insects that were on the grasses. And the bats flew much lower over the garden and concentrated a lot more over the lawn area so clearly the biodiversity that just leaving this grass unmown created was really quite exceptional and i also had a number of wilder flowers that started to appear in the lawn the downside of it is that because it's regular lawn grass the lawn grass itself has grown really quite thick. that in itself has also, because the ground has been also been left undisturbed, you will find that you get more ants nests in that unmown lawn section. So that's something but you know that's part of the biodiversity, that's part of the wildlife, but it is an issue for some people. So if I walked through my unmown lawn section now, the ground under my feet would definitely not feel as as flat, but it hasn't been something that's been bothering me. Simply because my lawn is not an area now where children play or we kind of sit out on because we, we sit on the patio. But obviously if it's your back garden, I don't think doing an unmown section over a large part of the lawn is sensible for a back garden. I do think, however, it's something that you could apply to a front lawn much more so because you don't walk on the front garden and you can create these lawn art shapes. You can mow a shape through the lawn. You can seed bomb the grass in the spring with these little clay balls that have Wildflower seeds. You can create that kind of effect in the front garden, and maybe only a small area in the back garden. But I certainly don't think it's practical to have it as a back garden feature. You Can't sit in it. The, the children couldn't lie down on that grass in the summer because it's not. It's just too long, and there's insects, and there may be ants, and all that kind of things. So these are issues that you have to match the practicality with the romance of the idea. So will I carry on leaving my lawn unmown? Yes, is the answer. I can tell you that over the course of this summer from May to September, I, I think I had my lawn mower out four times. That was the only thing that required the maintenance. In order for the garden not to look messy, or the lawn not to look messy, you had to keep the clear definition between the cut grass and the unmown grass. As soon as the cut grass lawn started to grow, you lost the effect. It'll be interesting to see next spring how the grass that has been left unmown changes because obviously this is the first year ever my lawn has had this ability to do its own thing and be natural. Now will that take away some of the strong green grass growth and will I get more seed head next year? I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. But very very definitely I think it's something I'm going to continue because it was a lot easier to look after than going up and down with the mower or, or every Saturday or every Sunday. So from a workload perspective, allowing nature to infill the gaps in my planting with the plants nature chose to put there has been a success, but it's been a difficult one to kind of accept. I'm hoping that next spring I won't be inundated with loads of weed seeds and the whole thing goes completely bonkers. I don't think it will, but if it does, I will just have to take some of those more prolific plants out in order that the ones I have and I I, I bought and I purchased have a chance to grow. But I honestly don't think that's going to happen. But you can be the judge. I will put some little short clips of my garden on the blog post I'll put a link to it from the show notes so you can have a look and you can tell me what you think you might like it you might dislike it obviously it's a garden now showing you at the end of September so everything is just starting to turn it's not pristine it's not terribly neat and tidy now if you like it great if you don't that's great it gardens are personal preference but the one thing to remember that is this, is that as this is now coming to the autumn and gardens are starting to quieten down and starting to turn and get themselves ready for the winter, if your garden still has elements that are interesting and you enjoy and that look good or nice or make you smile, as the garden performs less well, then that's a really good base point because it means in the spring and the summer when they're looking fabulous, it's only going to be better. And it's one of the things I've always argued to try and ensure that your garden looks good in the downtime because then in the uptime, it's going to be amazing. So have a look on my blog. a look at the videos email me tell me what you think but do please let me know it's lovely to hear the feedback it's lovely to be back and if you have any questions about the garden please drop me a line rachel at plantplots.com and in the meantime have a lovely week and i will see you next week
0: bye for now well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look. And please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go on to the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.